And so if you don't know me, my name is Dawson. I am the ASU student pastor. Um, our ASU ones are rowdy. They, they prefer, they say the floor is where Jesus is at because we're on our knees before him. And so they're just kind of preemptively responding. Um, but yeah, anyways, I believe God's doing something at ASU, at GCU, at the college campuses in this city. I believe he's stirring up people um, to follow him in radical ways, um, in ways that, that are uncommon, in ways that are different. And and it ultimately starts with just following Jesus, with being a disciple of him. And it starts with us being willing to pray some big faith prayers. And so I kind of wrote a little prayer, and I want you to pray it with me. And we're just going to say this out loud. And it might challenge you. And the louder you say it, the more I'm going to know that you mean it. Um, so just pray this with me, all right? In Jesus' name, change me at any cost. Have your way. We'll say it again. In Jesus' name, change me at any cost. Have your way. Those kind of prayers are scary when you actually think about it. And if you meant it, um, know that God honors that prayer tonight. And, and so get excited. He's going to move. So um, we've been doing a series here uh, called Spirit and Truth. Is there a cool graphic? Not tonight. It's a really dope graphic. Um, but we, there we go, so good. Um, I love it. I can encounter God just looking at it. Um, and so um, we're doing this series called Spirit and Truth. Chris opened with it, teaching out of John 4. Malia, a couple weeks ago, taught on the person of the Holy Spirit. And last week, Stosh, if you're a GCU student, you got to hear her teach on the voice of God. Her ASU crew was doing outreach on our campuses. Um, but we're just in the middle of a, a, a season where we're just saying, God, teach us what it means to worship you in spirit and in truth. Um, we don't want truth and no spirit. And we don't want spirit and no truth, neither or no good. And so we're just exploring with God, what does this mean to be radical followers of Jesus who don't worship in mountains and temples, but worship in spirit and truth? So um, we're going to go a little deeper in that tonight. And I'm really excited. I was praying for tonight. And I felt like the Lord gave me a couple different ideas that involve us moving around the room um, in some fun ways. And so just prepare yourself. Um, if you like your seat, enjoy it while you have it. We'll be moving around in a little bit. Um, but just so you know, um, it's going to be a fun night. Oh, yeah, pun intended for you guys, huh? So that's good. Yo, that's so dope, Izzy. That's awesome. Can you hold that up for everybody? Let's go. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, God. I think it's because I say that anytime I, like, sense Jesus on something. I'm like, oh, that's a good. Um, cool. So I've had this thing with walking recently. Um, I like walks. I like walks with my wife. Uh, I just like walks with Jesus. I'm from Louisiana, and so I didn't like walks in Louisiana, but... Now that I'm here and there's no trees, I just want to walk in the woods, like, every day. Like, that would be, I would get, I would encounter God in ways y'all can't even fathom if I could walk in the woods every morning. But we're here in Phoenix. We live in a big city. And I like to walk the sidewalks. I like to walk around. Um, it's really fun, and there's something about it in which I connect with God. Um, and just by show of hands, have any of you guys ever done, like, a really long walk? Like, something kind of nuts? Okay. Like, you would think like a backpacking trip, like a super long hike, anything like that? Anybody in here? Okay. Side note, I was, I was thinking about this as we were worshiping. I'm like, I'm like, it's so funny. We drive places just to walk. Like, have you all ever thought about that? Like, we just drive places to walk. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to walk tonight. But, okay, who thinks maybe you've walked the furthest in this room? Like you've done like a super long trip or like a super long path or you just have legs of steel and you can walk 50 miles in a day. Um, who in here thinks they could be up on the top of that? Elise? Tyler? Okay, I want to hear what y'all had. What did you walk, bro? So we walked around the entirety of the Mogollon Rim, like, <laughs> we went rim to rim. It's the rim to rim to swim. And so we, we, we hiked. Did you swim at all? Yeah, we, we had to do like 100 laps in the middle of the rim to rim swim. Okay. <laughs> Bro, I'm, I'm really impressed. Okay, what about you, Elise? Um, well, I walked from one region of Nepal to another. So it was like 12 hours of like hiking mountains. 
Okay. All right. Let's go. Anybody else? Anybody else just done something wild when it comes to walking? Anybody? Is there someone back here? Okay, what you got, girl? What's your name? I'm Julian, and we backpacked through Yosemite Valley, like 35 miles to the top of Half Dome. That's the craziest thing I've done there. That's still pretty sick. That's awesome. Okay, so those are some pretty gnarly walks. The mountains of Nepal, I admit, tried to do my high school senior trip in Nepal with my dad. It, it didn't take, so I haven't done that one. I love the Mogollon Room. haven't walked it. haven't been to Yosemite yet, so um, I'm really impressed with that, guys. I think that's, that's really cool. Um, I don't think any of you guys beat the record, though. I was looking it up, and I was just curious. I was like, what's the longest record of someone's walked continuously? And by continuously meaning to stop, to drink, eat, sleep. And there was a homeboy in 1980s, I forget the end of the year, I didn't write it down, who walked over 19,000 miles. 19,000. And you might think, how can you walk that far without, like, hitting an ocean? And it's because they started in a small, I guess, little tip of South America called Tierra del Fuego, and then they went all the way up to the top of Alaska. And so talk about a long ways to walk. It took them about six years. I don't get why they did it, but you can imagine the journey that those people had. You can imagine that they probably saw and met a lot of people, that they probably had some scary moments, they probably had some beautiful moments, they probably had some tired moments, I would imagine. I would like to see that dude's feet. Um, maybe I wouldn't actually, but, um, but there's something about the journey that draws us. There's something about walking that draws us. And, and tonight, I want to focus on one particular walk. It's not this record-breaking guy. He wrote a book, I think, called The Longest Walk. I don't know if I can endorse it, but I just saw that when I was Wikipediaing this. Um, and the, the walk I want to talk about, it's similar to those continental treks. It's similar to um, the Mogollon Rim hikes or through the mountains of Nepal or in Yosemite Valley. Um, but it's a little bit different. And if you haven't guessed, we're in a church, and I love Jesus, and so I'm talking about walking with Jesus. I'm talking about walking with God. So if you will, we're going to just jump right in. So if you have your paper Bibles, do you guys have paper Bibles? Let's go. Okay. Let me grab mine, actually. I did this last night at Life Group, and we're going to do another bold prayer. Y'all ready for this? If you got your paper Bible or your phone Bible, just put it over your head. All right. Say it with me. Jesus, I submit to whatever this book says. I'm going to do what you ask in this book. Amen. All right. So good. Turn with me to Genesis. We're going we're gonna to camp out in Genesis tonight. I love Genesis. I am doing the Bible in a year, and I'm admittedly behind, so I'm still in Genesis. Um, but I love Genesis. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 3, so go ahead and turn with me there. And if you have your paper Bible, just go ahead and keep it open tonight. We're going to be kind of chilling in Genesis for a while. And there's going to be some other verses I quote and mention, and they'll be on the screen. And we'll have the Genesis ones on the screen too, but it'll just be helpful for you to follow and kind of see the narrative through the pages. So... We've all heard the quote, is everyone good with Genesis 3? Cool, cool, cool. We've all heard the quote, or maybe we all haven't, I feel like I have, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And the guy who made the quote, I can't exactly vouch for his beliefs, his ideologies, all that stuff, but there's a truth to that, in that we are made for the journey with Jesus. Last week, Stash talked about hearing God, for those of you who are here, and that's part of who we are, we're we're made to know him, we're made to hear him, we're made to commune with him. But in reality, God's voice comes alive the most in the journey of our lives. It's in walking with him, it's in doing day to day with him, it's in spending years and time with him where his voice goes from this thing that we try and access to a personality, to uh, someone who has emotion, to someone with history and intentions and mannerisms. And over time, as we do the journey with God and his voice, we begin to learn what he's like. We learn his personality, how to pick his voice apart from the others, to know his desires and dreams. 
And this is what you're made for. You're made to hear God's voice, but you're made to do it over time and to enjoy the journey with him. Like I said, my wife and I, we love walks. It's kind of one of the ways we decompress. Um, Just like going on a walk after a day and talking about our day, or if we just need to connect with Jesus, we'll just walk quietly and let Jesus speak to us. And they're one of our favorite ways to come together. And just like that, Jesus wants to do the same with us. And you'll see it's actually from the beginning in Genesis that God's wired us this way. And so, just kind of recap one and two of Genesis. Those are the creation chapters. And so, that's where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you've never read Genesis, that's kind of the tee up for everything we're going to talk about. God is creator. He's Lord. He's made everything, including you. Um, And he has an intent and purpose behind all of it. And so, God made everything. He made the land. He made the sea. He made the fish. He made the animals, the ducks, the birds, all the stuff. Um... And he made, finally, at the very end of that, he made Adam, and then soon after that, he made Eve. Adam and Eve were the first two people that God made. And the crazy thing is that it says in Genesis 2 that God placed them in the Garden of Eden. Now, if you are reading this, and you are um, from an ancient Near Eastern Semitic culture that would have dwelt in the Fertile Crescent in the land of Canaan, in that area three, four, five thousand years ago, you would have immediately understood that the Garden of Eden wasn't just like a garden we have with our white picket fences and like the tomato vine and all the stuff on it, but the Garden of Eden was actually a mountain garden where God dwelt on the earth. It wasn't a place that was accessible to man. And the cool thing about the creation narrative is that every religion around the people of Israel had this garden where their God dwelt. And so in the beginning, God created this garden. He put man in it, and God's clearly saying, okay, I'm God, Yahweh, the Lord. Yahweh is the Hebrew name for God. Above all the other gods, and I've chosen people to live with me. I've chosen people to dwell in my house, to know me in my ways. And so this garden isn't just like a garden. It's a place where God lived. It's where he did life. It's where he did his court, his throne. It's where he hung out. It's where he walked And it's really key to notice this because Adam was put there so he could be in proximity and connection with God. He wasn't put on the other side of the earth, though he could have been. And maybe, I mean, God knew that he was going to sin, so you can kind of think, why did God not? And then you hear, God's longing from the beginning was for us to know him and walk with him and be in relationship with him. Adam had this special access to God. He, um, in a really sweet story, him and God sit next to each other, and God's like, hey, name every single animal. And God presents an animal is beaming over his creation, and then Adam's like, that's a tiger. Or beaming over his creation, that's a lion, that's a rhinoceros. And Adam names the animals. And after that, something happens, because Adam would name the animals, he would steward the garden, he would walk with God. And then something happens that actually cuts them off, and it's sin. Sin divides us from God, and it ultimately removes our access from him. Genesis chapter 3, I'm kind of going to summarize it. Um, Basically, a serpent comes in verse 1 and starts tempting and saying lies of truly God told you not to eat. Or truly God said, did not say that you can't eat from this or that you'll die. I'm misquoting it. But um, the woman then has this dialogue with the serpent in which she comes under this fear, temptation that um, she then submits to an axon and she eats this fruit from a tree that God says that she could not eat of, that that her and Adam could not eat of. They ate it together. And then picking up in verse, let's see here, six, if you want to pull it up behind me. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And so, They sinned by disobeying God because God had said not to eat this fruit. And then immediately their eyes are open and they realize, oh, we feel shame. We're in the wrong. So they cover themselves up. And then the next immediate thing that happens, they heard the sound of the Lord God doing what? Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so this is the first time where you see the clothing they just did on their own, but they walked with God. They co-labored with him. They spent time with him. And this is the first time where we see, okay, sin entered, 
And this is the first instance where we see someone choose not to walk with God. And the Lord God is expecting them. So he calls them out and says, where are you guys? He said, I heard, and then Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And God immediately knows. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And after this, this drama that happens, God responds and he curses the serpent that tempted them. He lets Adam and Eve individually know the consequences of their actions and then he commands them to leave God's home. He says, you have to leave the garden. He puts a sword in front of it and angels to guard it. He says, you can't come back, I'm sorry. And so we see for the first time in the very beginning of the Bible that God wanted people to walk with him. He wanted them in his home, but sin came in and with it came a loss of communion with it came a loss of relationship and the ability to walk with God in his home in the cool of the day. But here's the thing. God's passion for walking with his people wasn't finished. He didn't chalk it up. He kept going. And we see that before Adam died, a new man rose up who God desired to walk with him. And so when Adam was 622 years old and aging, a man named Enoch was born. We don't know a lot about Enoch. What we do know is that while everyone in Adam's lineage, quote, lived, if you read Genesis chapter 5, Enoch is not recorded as having lived, but walked with God. And it says in, in verse 21 of chapter 5, you can turn there, Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God. 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And that's like one of the most confounding verses in the Bible, huh? What does it mean to be not? Well, luckily we see in Hebrews that God, it expounds very clearly, because Enoch pleased God, God took him up. Because he walked with God, and that gave God such pleasure, it actually caused God to take him and say, I'm tired of you being away from me. I want you at home with me. Are you catching? Can you imagine pleasing God in such a way that God takes you? Like, just imagine. Like, your life moves him so much that he's like, I just want you to myself. And we just see that plainly. I mean, if you really read it, God longed for the Garden of Eden relationship he originally had. It's built in. He wanted Enoch because Enoch walked with him. He conversed with him. He pleased him. He loved him. And this wasn't God just missing Eden, having flashbacks, thinking, oh, Enoch's my rebound from Adam. No. <laughs> this has been his generational longing to this day. And it goes on. And you just see throughout Scripture, the next one was a guy born about 70 years after Enoch died. If you're wondering where I'm getting these numbers, I just did all the math of the generations of Genesis. Um, Noah was born. This guy was born 70 years after, died, after Enoch died. He was the next person to not live, but walk with God. For Genesis chapter 6, you can just turn, it's probably on your page or the next page. Um, starting verse 8 says, well, real quick, right before that, God is talking about how the people of the earth are wicked and broken and God is displeased and sorry that he made man. But in verse 8, it says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Well, then it goes in. These are the records of generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. We know the story of Noah. Um, if you don't, I would encourage you to read it sometime. Basically, Enoch's calling to be taken, for, and that was because he walked with God and pleased him. It wasn't Noah's calling. Noah was called to build a boat for 100 years and then live in it for almost a full year and then to come out and repopulate the earth from nothing. And so we know that story, but we're going to focus more on the generation after that, where God found a man to walk with him. And that man's name was Abraham. Our father, Abraham. Okay. Um, so good. We know Abraham, or Abram, if you see in Genesis chapter 12, you can turn there because we're going to read a little bit from that, because he leaves his family behind to walk with God. If you do the math, it's kind of wild. Abraham was 58 
when Noah died. Abraham was 58 when Noah died. It's very likely in that culture of generational leadership and ancestry that Noah knew Abraham. It's very likely that they had a conversation, that the stories Abraham heard from Noah were about a God that Abraham hadn't met yet, who called him and renewed the earth. And so you get this man, Abraham, and God calls him. And we see, just like with Adam and Enoch, Adam, God didn't wait till Adam died to call Enoch to walk with him. He did it during the middle of his life. And just like that, we see God call Abraham while Noah's still living. And so he has this generational longing on his heart for us to walk with him and know him. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, this is when the Lord calls him. He says, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's interesting that God begins walking with Abraham by inviting him into a few things. He invites him to leave behind everything he knows. He invites him to believe that God has promises and hope and life for him. And he invites him into the process. I love this verse because it says, um, go forth from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Meaning he didn't give Abraham A, B, C, and D to Abraham's obedience. He was looking for Abraham to follow him on the journey in the process. And so, in this, we just see that God's pursuing, we're going to come back to Abraham in a minute, but we see that God's pursuing his created people. And I just want to ask the question, what does this look like in our generation? Like, what does this look like in February of 2022? What does this look like at ASU? What does this look like at GCU in America? How do we walk with God? Because we know it's for us. Galatians 5.25 says that if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And so the connection here is that just like those men in the Bible walked with God, God's plan all along once he gave us his Spirit was for us to walk with him and by him. So let's look at the patterns of how God chose to pursue people and walk with them and see what we can learn, okay? Sound good? Cool, cool, cool. All right. Number one, I'm going to get a sip of water. I don't know how to do this with a a handheld mic. So good. (laughs) Y'all, first time I spoke, I, like, did this with the the thing, and it, like, everyone heard my gulp. So I learned a little bit. Um, Thanks, Izzy. Um, All right. So... And the first thing that God looks for, for people to walk with them. Are y'all with me? Okay, cool. God looks for obedience. God looks for obedience. So if we look at this, sin is what kept people from walking with God. If you look at the generations in between Adam and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, there were some pretty messed up people. And we see that sin is what actually keeps people from walking with God. And just for our sake, I'm going to define sin as disobedience. If you're disobeying God, he considers it sin. And I believe the Bible supports that. When we don't do what he says, we, not him, create a gap in our relationship. I'm going to say that again. When we don't do what he says, we, not him, create a gap in our relationship. God's not looking to distance himself from you. But when we sin, we say, God, I, I don't know if I can walk with you. And so the ownership is ours. Here's a couple of scriptures. You can write these down. I'm just going to read them. Um, Galatians 5.16, just a couple of scriptures to come back to. Um, and it's just good to go to the word when you like wrestle through these things with him. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Really simple. It's not walk by the Spirit, and eventually you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and maybe you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. It's walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And so God here clearly associates walking 
by the Spirit, with the Spirit, as not walking in the flesh, walking in our junk, walking in our mess. And then 1 John 5, 3, this is a really good verse if you just struggle with the idea of God telling you what to do. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. If you think God's putting a burden on you, I want you to say in your mirror, God, your commandments are not burdensome. Your word says so. I don't have a right to look at your commandment as a burden on my life. His commandments are not burdensome, and it's our privilege to love him by obeying him. And it's scary at first, but it's so good. And so we walk with him by obeying him. And I'm going to give you a question. We have some sheets that we're going to respond with later, um, and this question is on there. Um, is there anything that he's asked you to do that you have not yet obeyed him in? Is there anything he's asked you to do that you've not yet obeyed him in? And I'm not saying that for any kind of condemnation. Please don't hear that from me. It's just an invitation to come as you are. Come right to the point where you stopped obeying him and renew it again. You're forgiven, you're set free, and it's a fresh start with him. And if there's any of you in the room who are like, my sin separates me from God, I just want you to know that Tonight's an invitation to start with repentance. God, I messed up. I want you. And he's like, okay, you're forgiven. I'm here. It's that simple. And so my petition to you, ask God if there's anything he's asked you to obey him in that you've not. And then just come to him and do what he said. Don't beat yourself up over it. We're all in that. There's things that he's asked me to do that I'm in the process of still figuring out to do. And so, but the beauty of it is that we walk with him by obeying him. The second thing that we see is that he gives his perspective on life and we don't give him ours. And so what I mean by that is not that we can't share our opinions, our feelings, our desires with God, but what I mean by that is that to walk with him, we have to seek what he thinks about our lives. We have to seek his thoughts. We have to seek his mindsets, what he cares about that we do in our lives. We walk with him that way, by seeking, him, seeking his thoughts and asking him what he thinks. We give you two scriptures. They're not going to be on there, and I'm not going to read them. I just want you to go back to them. The first one is Luke 11:13, and the second one is Jeremiah 31, 34. Luke 11:13 and Jeremiah 31, 34. And I would just read the three or four verses before Jer and that one in Jeremiah 2. Many of us don't walk with God because, honestly, we're scared to see what he thinks about our lives and about the decisions we make. I mean, I can tell you that was me. Like, when I was a freshman in college on the party scene, I didn't want to choose Jesus because I was afraid he was going to tell me what I was doing was wrong, and I already knew it was wrong. But the most free place you can be is dialoguing with God. Here's a couple questions for you. Are you all with me? Okay. Let's do this. Here's a couple questions for you to think about. And these are just questions to ask him. God, what do you think about my schedule? What do you think about how I order my days and the jobs I apply for and the things I put in my days? God, what do you think about this movie? Does this movie please you? Like, does this movie actually move your heart? God, this person... I think they like me. What do you think about that? Should I date? Should I not? What do you say? Am I ready for that? I want your wisdom, God. A little lighter one, but God, what should I wear today? I'm indecisive. I asked him, he said this flannel, so thank you, you're welcome. Um, and not that we need God to tell us what to wear every day, but we practice walking with him by including him in our thoughts bringing him in, saying, what do you think? What do you think, Jesus? What do you think? Sometimes I'll ask him what route to take to church, because there's a couple routes to take on my, from our house to here. I'll be like, Lord, should I go down Alma School? Should I go down Dobson? What do you think? And I'll just let him speak to me. There's something about including him in our days, guys. We can dialogue with him. We can walk with him, and it's really fun. <laughs> he... Uh, yeah, he, uh, it's just fun. Like he, we've had these cookies we love, and I wasn't planning on saying this, but we have these cookies we love. They're keto, technically. We're not doing keto, but we just love the low-carb life and the protein life. But um, 
we, uh, the recipe was deleted off the website, and they were our favorite cookies in the world. We were so upset. And then we just paused, and we asked the Holy Spirit, and he gave us the recipe. And we literally just listened to him and did the same exact thing. And it was beautiful. Now we have our own homemade recipe of cookies. And so just include Jesus. It's simple. What do you think, God? And so what questions can you ask him? This is going to be on that sheet. What questions can you ask him that will allow him to share his heart with you? Like how can you set yourself up to receive from him? Simply put. And sometimes it's big things. Like sometimes it's like, God, what should I do this summer? My parents are saying do this. I don't, what are you saying? Sometimes it's little things like pasta or pizza. So where have you not given him access to your heart simply because you just haven't asked for his heart? And that's the thing. When we ask for his heart, he gets ours and that moves him and it makes him want to walk with us even more. Okay, are y'all with me? Okay, can y'all stand up? We're going to do a game. It's not really a game. It's kind of a game. Just stand up. Think of this as your seventh inning stretch. Come on. All right. Some of y'all are like, I'm excited. And some of y'all are like, dude, I'm tired. Why'd you make me get up? Um, And we're just going to do this game. I call it, uh, I don't know. I just wrote split room game. Um, That's not the name. Um, we're going we're gonna to do a little game, and I felt like because there are different personalities in the room, I felt like the Lord wanted to in- address individual qualities about you guys and how you can walk with Jesus. So we're going to get really practical, but we're going to do it on terms of a couple like split things. And so come to this side right here in this area if you are a feeler, and then come to this side if you're a thinker. What I mean by that, if you're a feeler, you usually feel before you think, and you feel a lot, it's easy to cry. Um, If you're a thinker, then it's kind of hard for you to have emotion, but you're really quick to think, and you have a good mind. And if you don't know where you're at, just pick a side. We're going to do one and the other. So, and it's okay. We're not labeling you as this for the rest of your life, so don't put too much fretting into it. Okay. This is so good. Can I come down here? I'm coming down here. All right, let's see. We'll start with the feelers, you guys here. Um, I'm just going to say to you guys, Jesus doesn't always sound like what you're feeling in the moment. Um, Learn to hear him above the emotion and not let emotion dominate you. I get it. There's big feelings. I thought I was a feeler. Maybe I'm over here now. But it's easy when you're feeling a lot to either associate Jesus with that emotion or to just let it pull you straight out away from him. And so you can lead your emotions, even though they're big, with your mind in the spirit of truth. Does that make sense? Okay. Something for you guys, avoid the eight ball. What I mean by that is that little toy as a kid where you say, God, am I, or maybe you probably didn't say God. I didn't say God. I was just like, am I going to marry so-and-so? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, am I getting this for Christmas? Da-da-da-da. No. <sighs> you guys as feelers, when you do that, you actually... Um, position yourself to be vulnerable to just hear your emotions and not God. And God's not a yes or no God. He has opinions, hearts, and delights that he wants to share with you. And it's easier when you don't just hear yes or no and shake him like he's an eight ball. Make sense? That's called divination, and that's wrong according to the Bible. Sound good? All right, my thinkers, and you guys listen because y'all can learn for your friends. Jesus will not always ask you to obey him in rational, clear ways. If it doesn't make sense, still do it. Sometimes he'll offend your mind to grab your heart and let him. It doesn't have to make sense. That verse that baffles you, just trust that he's bigger and he's going to explain it to you in the kingdom of heaven. Do not, and this is for you guys, I'm serious. I noticed this in the room together as a college ministry. Do not idolize emotional encounters with God. Do not. I'm telling you, God's made each person differently and the person weeping next to you is, is needs you to encounter God in truth because you guys have a truth gifting on your life to hear God in truth. And so I mean that because a lot of times we get tripped up and say, I just need to feel you, God. But you guys are anointed to receive truth from the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, my best days and most fruitful days in my marriage with Jesus are the days where I don't feel anything, but I hear and obey. Sound good? Okay, cool. All right, the next one, this side We're going to have our spontaneous people. Like, you love mixing it up, going with the flow. And it might correlate with the feelers. I don't know. We'll see. And then our planners are going to be over here. Like, you love a schedule. You love the details. (laughs) 
All right. Okay. You have to pick a side. I'm sorry, guys. It helps me to have a middle place. Okay. So we're going to start with our spontaneous people. When you guys walk with God, allow him to stretch you by implementing structure in your lives at times. But treasure the spontaneous days you have with him. Carve out time to just be flexed with Jesus. Let him take you on adventures with him. I remember, I'm more on the spontaneous side. I've learned to be a planner. Um, I remember being in Turkey for 11 days, and five of those days I was by myself on a bus going to the city of Antioch in Istanbul, and I just let Jesus tell me where to go. I would say, okay, I'm in the middle of this city. I don't know where I'm at, but do you want me to go right, left? Do you want me to talk to this person? Do you want me to go over here? Do you want me to buy this thing? And I just let him lead me. And you guys actually are wired to receive that way, and God's going to lead you to treasure. So don't be upset when you're like, I'm just not the planner. Like, I'm not that organized. I'm not that administrative. Know that God's given you a gift. And a lot of times, spontaneity can be associated with vision. So know that you guys also are anointed to be vision carriers and bearers. But let him adventure with you, and let him stretch you. When you need to have a calendar, get a calendar. 10 out of 10 recommend. Sound good? Okay. Planners, you guys, you guys are gifted and anointed with strategy and tactics. You guys are our kingdom generals. You guys make tactics for the kingdom of God and for your lives that are beautiful. And we love it. We need you guys. I need you guys. Please. This is not, y'all are not me. Um, Plan your walk with him, but learn to be open-handed and eager to respond when he changes the, the game plan. When God just changes it all at once, don't get frustrated. Just learn to go with it. Because he's not going to always go with what you plan. And so that's super key for you guys to learn how to stay with him is when God changes the narrative, you're quick to follow. Sound good? And that takes time. But if you know you're a planner, you know he might put you in a situation with a curveball and ask you to shift gears with him. And know that that's a delight to him for you to learn to do that. He's interested in your development. Sound good? Okay. Um, allow his voice to direct your schedule, not your schedule direct to you. Sound good? His voice leads your schedule not your schedule, you. You're not bound to your Google Calendar. I can feel that sometimes. You're not bound to your Google Calendar. Allow his voice to lead. And do that preemptively. Do that in the moment. And do that after the fact. Say, God, was this a good idea? You know, just evaluate with him. Sound good? Okay, cool. We're going to do one more. Are y'all liking this? Is this helpful? Okay, cool. All right, on the left side, we're going to have our introverts. And then we're going to have our extroverts. All right. <laughs> so good. An introvert would mean that, oh, crap, I'm spilling water. Um, an introvert, <laughs> thank you. An introvert is someone who is more recharged by being alone. An extrovert, you come alive by being with people. Let's go. All right. Everybody with it? Have y'all noticed that it's louder on the extrovert side? Anyone? Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to keep going. We're going to start with our introverts. You guys listen, okay? All right. You guys, though you are refreshed by being alone, you will not be drained by communion with Jesus. It's not going to drain you. He is the one friend that wants to invade your alone time. It's not okay to be alone without Jesus. Let me just say it like that. It's not okay to be alone without Jesus. He's the one friend that wants to break into your alone time, and I promise you he will not drain you. Allow him, too, to stretch you when relating to others. Allow him to have you have conversations you wouldn't normally have. Allow him to tell you to initiate conflict resolution with someone. Allow him to tell you to share Jesus with someone, even if it's a person you don't want to. You guys are designed for community, but I felt like I need to say this. You're not designed to submit to social pressures. God's designed you a certain way. You guys are made for the secret place with Jesus, alone in your room to be with him, to encounter him, to meet with him, and he's designed you that way. And so don't submit to social pressures, but you are made for community, so don't pull back. Sound good? Okay. All right. You guys. Let's go. Okay. All right. Um, learn to be extroverted with Jesus alone in your room. Learn that. Be extroverted with Jesus. 
Let, let loneliness turn into aloneness with God. Let the feeling of aloneness turn into aloneness with God. What do I mean by that? When you feel lonely and you usually just reach for your crew or your people, or if you don't have a crew, you dream about your crew, um, reach for Jesus. He wants to converse with you. And I will, I trust, if you divert that extroverted personality into an eagerness to meet with him, his voice is going to blow up in your mind and you're going to meet with him like you never have before. <laughs> what happens? Let's go. Let's go. That's good. Um, cool. And then finally, learn to discern with him when it's healthy friend time and when you need to meet with God by yourself. Like learn to discern your limit. Because you guys are extroverts and you will come alive with people, but there will be a point where you run yourself dry and you need to meet with Jesus alone. So learn to figure that time out with him. And it's trial and error. You'll hang out with people and you'll be like, man, I didn't spend time with God today and I just fell on my face and this sucks. And I totally just look for... uh, God and my buddy Billy, and that was just awkward, you know? Um, But just learn that journey with him because you guys are healthier with people and you were designed to love people well. Um, And you guys are too. You guys love people really deeply. You guys love people, and you guys are often gatherers. You gather people for the kingdom of God, but learn to know when to stop to meet with Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. That's all I got, guys. Y'all can go back to your seats. Come on. And Joshua, you can come up if you want and start playing. I'm going to shut this water bottle. It's so good. Am I saying it? That's good. So good. All right. Okay, well. Okay. Did you guys learn something just now? Okay. It's trial and error, guys. And each of you guys are made differently, but God's designed you to embrace walking with him in the way that you're made. You're not supposed to walk with him like I do. You're not supposed to walk with him like Chris does. Um, You can learn from us, but please, you're designed to adventure with him and figure this out. And so it just starts by wanting his voice and being with him. I'm going to finish going back to our father Abraham. Come on. Who remembers Abraham? Let's go. Okay. Genesis 18. Y'all can turn with me there. So in this point in the story, God called Abraham at 75. So this was the first time that Abraham heard God's voice. was 75. So he's old. He's lived a lot of life. He's probably heard of God. He's probably wanted to hear God. But God finally speaks to him. He's 75 years old. Can you wait 75 years to hear God? Yes, you can. It's worth it. It's worth it. Abraham waited 75 years, and look who he is in the Bible. I want him to speak to you tonight, though. I will say that. But Abraham, he was 99 in Genesis chapter 18. He lived a lot of life, and he had become a friend of God. He started walking with him. He'd had his ups and downs. He'd made some really stupid decisions. If you read Genesis, you're like, bro, come on. Why'd you do that? That was really dumb. Um, And he's visited by God one day. And this voice that he's heard, this direction that he's followed, one day walks up to him in the flesh. And we see in Genesis chapter 18, I'm going to open it up myself. Um, we see in Genesis chapter 18, three men. It says, The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And so what we see is these three men, and they say it's the Lord. And so people are like, maybe that's the Trinity. Could be. Maybe that's Jesus and two angels. Maybe Yahweh, the Lord, the Father, decided to put a face and a body on and just meet Abraham. I don't know. We don't know. What we do know is that it was the Lord. It was God. It was the God we worship that Abraham was walking with who all of a sudden is right in front of him. And so he starts preparing a meal. He, like, kills an animal. He makes bread. It's a little different than going in and out. Um, And he starts making a meal for God I'm going to say these two angels for the sake of that. I don't know if that's actually right, but God and these two angels. And, and probably if you keep reading, it is the God and the two angels. But, um, and I'm going to pick up in verse 16. So basically, 
Abraham meets with God and he has him over and then God promises a son for him and he renews the blessing on his life. He speaks truth over him um, and he visits Abraham, but a lot of it's about Abraham's life. And so you see God serving and loving Abraham because he's walked with him, but then God has this hunger for something a little bit more. And we see in verse 16 that the men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. Do you see that? He was walking with them. So the God he had walked with in spirit, he was walking with in the flesh. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? I'm about to do something. Do I need to withhold this from him? He walks with me. Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, I see the good in him, and him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him so that he command, may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he's spoken about him. And so God has this moment. It's a little lengthy, but if you can catch this. He has this moment where he's walking with Abraham and he's just poured all this goodness and promise into Abraham's life. And then he says, he's got to go back to his house. Can I, should I hide this from him? I mean, I've chosen him. He's going to raise up generations in righteousness and justice. Should he know what's on my heart? And so the Lord speaks. In verse 20, he says, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. And I imagine he's sad when he says this. I'm going to go down now and see if they've done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me. And if not, I will know. And the emphasis isn't that he went to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the emphasis isn't that he then punished that city for its wickedness. We all know that story for the most part. Um, But the emphasis is that God had a moment as he's walking with Abraham. He's walking with him. They're probably leaving his tent campment, and they're walking, and God's like, wait. Could I hide this from him? Like, if he's meant to walk with me, shouldn't he know what I care about in this moment? Shouldn't he know what I'm carrying, the pain I'm feeling over this city, over what they're doing? Shouldn't he know? Because I've chosen him. I've, I've called him to righteousness and justice. And I just want to end with that verse. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Because let that stir you. Like, God says to you, Chris, shall I hide from Chris? what I'm about to do. Lisette, shall I hide from Lisette what I'm about to do? Colby, shall I hide from Colby what I'm about to do? His longing is to to show us not just what's in our lives, but to to break us into his, to let us in. And, and, And this is really just where I want to stir you to end, is that walking with him isn't about you living a better life. It's about knowing his heart. And when you walk with him, you have access to things that you don't have access to otherwise. Does that make sense? So God chose not to just talk about Abraham to Abraham, but he actually chose to share a wrestle of his heart. And we see that he actually invites Abraham to change his mind. If you keep reading, he, he's, Abraham's like, but if there's 50 righteous people, would you save the city? And God's like, I would. I would, Abraham. If there were 50 righteous, I would save that city. And he keeps going down until eventually Abraham gets him to 10. He's like, if there's 10 righteous people, would you save the city? And God's like, I would, Abraham. I would. And I just want to say this. God's looking for friends like you to share his burdens with. He wants to share with you things that are on his heart, even if they're not on yours. I didn't want to be a college pastor. I just met Jesus. I, want to be, I, was, I was in line to be a doctor. Crazy times to be a doctor, but I was in line to be a doctor. And then God spoke. And he shifted things. He said, hey, this is on my heart. College campuses are on my heart. That's where you got saved. Would you go and serve that vision? I said, sure, God. And just like that, guys, God wants to speak to you burdens and visions and dreams and thoughts for you to carry alongside of him. And so we're going to jump in and respond. So you can go ahead and stand up. God's looking for you to be his friend tonight. 
And there's a couple places I mentioned that we could start. The first one is obedience. And it's just that question, is there something that you haven't obeyed God in? There's no condemnation. Just start tonight. If you're like, I actually wanna walk with God, but you're not right with him in something, repent to him. Come before him, repent's not a scary word, it just means turn. It means I'm walking in death and destruction and I just say, never mind. God's bigger and better, I want him. And so if that's you, I invite you to repent, I invite you to pull someone in. I invite you to turn from that thing because God's gonna meet you with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and love you. The second one is you guys are invited to just ask him questions tonight. Maybe you are like, God, I haven't invited you into my career. I haven't invited you into my relationship. I haven't invited you into what I watch. Like I just started this series. I didn't even think, do you want me to watch this? Is this a good idea? And for some of you tonight, he's inviting you to ask him, what do you think? It can be about anything, I don't know you. But just ask him. And I just wanna say this last thing, this is something I've been meditating on this week, and it's that his presence is free but his heart costs. What I mean is that any of you in this room can access the presence of God right now, but to access his heart, you're gonna have to pay a price. And that price is surrender, that price is giving him yourself. And so God's inviting you to do that tonight. So we're just gonna jump in. If you're like, man, I wanna walk with God. I just feel stirred. I don't even know what this looks like. I just wanna walk with him. I'd encourage you just come get on your knees in the front right now and do business. There's something about, Stosh said this last week, there's something about our posture shifting that activates something in us to meet with God. Some of you need to pull aside a friend and just, dude, I want to walk with God, but I've been lying about this. Or I haven't, I haven't been truthful about this. I haven't done this and he's asked me to do this or haven't ended this thing or shifted this thing or done this thing. And I just invite you to pick up there. And so we're going to jump into worship. And I just encourage you to meet with him. There's no formula. We have some sheets. Do you have those, Malia? And those sheets are going to be up here on the front. And it's just two questions. You can take it after we finish. If you're like, I just want to go sit on some of this stuff. And there's, there's room and space to write down what you feel like God says to you. Um, but we're going to sing uh, an oldie but a goodie. Here I am to worship. And there's just something I think God wants to do in that, in that presentation of here I am. Here I am. Teach me to walk with you. Teach me to worship you in adoration. So I would challenge you, if you're like, I don't know how to respond. I don't feel like I gel with those two. Then just sing this song and mean it to them. And say, God, where do we go from here? Sound good? Okay. Jesus, we welcome you tonight. We welcome your presence. We thank you that you're already here, and we thank you that you're increasing upon us. We invite you and welcome you. We say, Jesus, we want to walk with you. We want not just to hear about our own lives, but we want your heart, your burden to not be hidden from us, that you might put on us the heart of God for whatever you care about in this moment. I do feel like for some of you, you've like not ever wanted to go overseas, but we just mentioned overseas and you felt a little stomach drop and now God's saying it's time. It's time. Two weeks. It'll change your life. For some of you, you're like scared to take that next step. Maybe prophecy is new for you. Maybe hearing God's voice is new for you. And you're actually like wrestling with the idea of just asking him a question. Maybe that next step is just asking him a question. For some of you, there's, there's I was about to say racial reconciliation. Amen. Some of you are called to racial reconciliation in the valley and all over the world. But some of you are called to reconciliation to friends and people around you. Jesus, we welcome you and we say, come and move. Come and stir us to meet with you. Come and deepen in us what you're doing. We give you that shovel and we say, God, bury us in your goodness. Bury us in your love. We die of our ways and we receive yours tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.